On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Sunil Malaya. He is the Vice President of Engineering at Onco Health. We're going to be talking about how it's different to manage an engineering team in the healthcare industry. Obviously, some unique challenges, some constraints the team has to deal with. Uh, Sunil has an you know, extensive background in the in the space, and I'm sure he's going to have some great examples to share. Sunil, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amir. It's great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I guess let's start off at the top. Um, I like to start off to understand, you know, what, what does Onco Health do? And then and then secondly, as the vice president of engineering, you know, what are some of your responsibilities? Awesome. So let me start off with what we do, right? So Onco Health is a digital health company, and we provide digital health solutions that reduce the physical, mental, and physical toll of cancer on for everybody involved, right? So there are, as, a, as vice president of uh, engineering here at Onco Health, I oversee a delivery for three of our digital health solutions, and uh, you know um, each targeting like certain specific areas right within the oncology domain. Um, so there are two big ones, right? So there is there is one solution that we do for prior authorization, which is basically look at cancer cases cancer cases that come come to us and see if and evaluate the treatment plan that is being uh, you know given and see if it is the right thing to do for the patient. So you look at other stuff like you know uh, to see if there are like you know maybe cheaper in-network providers that the patients could go to right to save some costs and stuff like that. But uh, you know that is one of the key platforms uh, that you know that I won't deliver it for. And uh, the other one which is uh, very exciting is we recently launched uh, a uh, telehealth uh, solution, a telehealth service uh, for cancer patients to manage the mental health and physical, you know, side effects of uh, cancer. It's called Iris. So we launched in June, and uh, that is pretty exciting. I oversee delivery for that solution as well. Awesome, awesome! So lots of stuff, uh, lots of activity. I like that. Um, and I know you have a background, you know, you have a pretty deep background in health. Um, and a topic we're going to be chatting about is some of the you know, differences, you know, actually managing a team and delivery within the healthcare industry is a little bit different. And I think, you know, with, with your background, I think you'll have great insights, you know, at, at, at the highest level, maybe you could just kind of give us a little understanding of, of what your team is made of in terms of, you know, who, who do you manage? Are they all software engineers? Are you matrix? Just understand some context. Yeah, sure. So I mainly manage a team of uh, software engineers, right? And uh, the way we have structured is uh, them into feature teams, right? So we have, for each product, right, we have anywhere between uh, one to three feature teams uh, which work on delivery for uh, the product, right? So all the software engineers are reporting to me, and, um, you know, that is how we are kind of structured. We follow the agile release process. Uh, like most most folks do, and uh, we have like 15 day sprints, and we release usually on a cadence, like every 15 days into production. Awesome. I guess you know maybe help us understand you know in terms of when we talk about you know managing an in, you know, engineering team in the healthcare industry. You know, let's say I've I know nothing of the healthcare industry. What are some of the things that stand out? Some of the the key challenges that that you're like, if you've never been in the healthcare industry, in you know, obviously maybe you're a senior IC or a manager, but these are some of the things you see every day, or just some of the some of the common challenges at the highest level. 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the key challenges, right, is that you're dealing with sensitive information, right? Here you are dealing mostly with uh, sensitive personal healthcare information of, uh, you know, especially cancer patients. So there are certain data access restrictions that uh, our customers and, you know, in general, we have to follow HIPAA regulations as well, which means that, you know, the data has to be stored, transmitted, and uh, accessed in a certain way, right? And there are additional contractual restrictions that the customers might uh, put in place, which prevents us from, you know, have, like, for example, contracting workers outside of the U.S., right? So those are certain restrictions that we have to deal with. So we have to, like, uh, ensure that, you know, if we have, like, offshore team members working with us and, you know, those folks cannot have access to PHI data. So that means that, you know, you have to put some kind of a re-identification process in place to ensure that those folks don't get to see the U.S., you know, U.S.-based customer data. So those are certain challenges, right? So that prevents us from leveraging uh, offshore resources to do any troubleshooting or, you know, any production-related issues. So if a large part of your team is based out, based out of the U.S., then it becomes a problem. But so as a, as a director or as a VP, you have to make sure that, you know, you have adequate staffing in place in the U.S., right, uh, to cover for all of those scenarios, right, uh, to look at production issues and all that. The other challenges that we see is that, you know, some of the software that we use to process PHI, like, for example, let's say if we want to uh, make outbound, automated outbound calls, right, and then we want to use, uh, use a third-party vendor, you know, to do that. Then we want to, you know, we cannot just pick and choose any vendor, right? So the, we have to make sure that the vendor that we choose is HIPAA eligible and is HIPAA compliant with the, all of those regulations, right? So they, there are certain regulations that HIPAA puts in place, right? The data like, has to be, you know, encrypted, for example, right? It has to be located within the U.S. The servers have to be located in the U.S. The call centers have to be within the U.S., right? So there are certain restrictions that, uh, that customers and, you know, HIPAA regulations uh, would want us to adhere to. So whenever we pick and choose a software or a third-party vendor, we have to ensure that, you know, that is done as well. So those are at least a couple of examples that I can think of, right, which are right out of the top of my mind. One more thing that I would also say is there are state regulations, right, in addition to, you know, uh, maybe we can cover that later, I think the state regulation as a part of FDA regulation. That is okay. Absolutely. I guess something interesting you mentioned there about, you know, staffing on teams, obviously um, some of your options, you know, they're they're a little bit more limited if you were, you know, not within the healthcare space, you know, you didn't have to worry about PHI, HIPAA, you obviously have a little bit more flexibility. When you're planning out your team's, you know, delivery capacity, obviously you, you know, these going into it, how do you plan around knowing that you need to, like, if you needed to, you know, spin up help quickly, that offshoring isn't an answer? Like, how, how is that taken into account? Yeah, so what we do when we go into sprint planning is to reserve a part of the capacity for production support and, you know, bug fixers and in general, like, you know, as a tech reserve, right? So usually some of our onshore members, what we do is we take 20% of their capacity every sprint and reserve it. Because we always know that, you know, there will be something that comes up in production or there is sometimes a need for us to quickly react and maybe design something very quickly. So it makes sense for us to park a little bit of capacity for that because um, 
if if you don't do that right then there's a chance that you know people can get burnt out very quickly because if they have to do like 100% of the work plus you know do help us with part support and other stuff then it becomes a bit of a challenge so just planning you know around around that is really really helpful absolutely and when you meant, you know, so I guess if you're looking at that, you know, trying to hold back, you know, some of that capacity production issues, when you're going through, you know, your your agile process, you know, you said every 15 days, and you're looking at delivery, knowing that that capacity is there, when you're talking to stakeholders, you know, you have, you know, 20% less potential output. When you're talking to stakeholders, is that, you know, how, how do you help make sure they understand, obviously, like, hey, we're going to deliver but it's not like my team is can be fully devoted. You know, we have a twenty percent overhead uh, to kind of deal with some of those production issues because obviously you have some limitations. Like, is that a conversation with your stakeholders, or is it, are they is it kind of transparent to them and it, and it kind of doesn't factor into any of the uh, uh, you know the planning for them? Yeah, it is it is fairly transparent. So we make sure that you know it is a part of the board, right? So there is either Jira or Azure DevOps, whatever your folks. Are. So we we put that on the board, right, as a tech reserve, and uh, there are planned activities, right, as a part which are identified and put on the board. Um, there are certain stories what we do is we tag them as stretch, right, which basically means that uh, if we have the capacity, then we are going to get to it and do it, but uh, let's say something happens in production and then we need to, you know, react and spend more time troubleshooting and, uh, you know, debugging those issues, then some of the stretch stories will not make it basically to the sprint. So it is very transparent. So at the beginning of the sprint, it is very clear on what our committed um, you know, items are versus what the stretch items are. So, so, so that is how we make it transparent. Got it. Got it. I guess when it comes to your like specific agile you know, process, do you see, are, is any of the part of the process kind of adopted to account for being within the healthcare industry, or is it, you know, pretty true to let's say if it's Scrum, are you guys pretty true to most of the the Scrum tenants? Yeah, we are mostly true to the Scrum tenants. It's not it's not really specific to healthcare. So I guess in terms of vendor selection, you obviously have some limitations of who you could pick. Like when you guys are selecting a vendor, and you also have state regulations. You you mentioned obviously that's adding a little bit more complexity. How does that variable of making sure a vendor, you know, is is HIPAA compliant, but also you have the state regulations when you guys are evaluating that, is that more on the vendor to make sure then at that point they're all, you know, you know, figured out the states as well? Or is it actually falls back on you and your team to make sure both those aspects are lined up? So the vendor vendor part is separate, right, from the state regulations, right? So the state regulations are maybe you know uh, certain laws or regulations that are passed by certain states right and usually we developed custom software for that like you know they might say like you know uh, the state of texas might come up and say we have this new rule which means that this set of drugs um, you know have to be automatically approved or just as an example then you know uh, that is custom software on our side which we would develop as far as the vendor selection goes right uh, vendors would normally mark their, you know, mark whether their software or their service is HIPAA eligible or not. Right. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, Twilio, right, which is one of the telecommunications provider. We just cannot go there and 
pick any of their you know APIs and start developing healthcare solutions on that. They have marked certain specific APIs as being you know APIs or services that they provide as being HIPAA eligible, and we have to make sure that it is on us basically to ensure that we pick and choose only the ones, only those APIs or services which are HIPAA eligible. And usually what uh, vendors also do is they charge us a premium since they have to provide all of those additional, um, you know, security layers, right, as a part of the, uh, to make the services HIPAA eligible, they normally charge us a premium. So, for example, Twilio charges us like a security addition. They, they have something called a security addition where they charge an additional amount on top of what they would maybe charge a normal customer to ensure, you know, HIPAA eligibility and compliance for us. Hmm. Well, that's, that, 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 that adds to uh, some of your complexity. I guess when I was just listening to that and I'm thinking through, you know, you mentioned early on third-party vendor selection is in S3 Ford. You have, you know, a subset you can pick from. And then obviously I know you mentioned state regulations and vendor selection don't always overlap because some of that might be custom. But when you're looking at third parties and all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at the options you have, does build versus buy come into play in some instances where you're like, hey, I just you know think the the subset is you know not a fit. Obviously, in Twilio's case, APIs are might be common, but how often does build versus buy come into play because you might not have as many vendors to select from? Yeah, so sometimes what happens is uh, you know a vendor might have a really good solution, right? But if it is not HIPAA eligible, that means that uh, we cannot use it. For our development needs, and then you look at you know there could be other solutions right which are provided by let's say other vendors which may not be as good but are HIPAA eligible. Right? So sometimes you have to go with like not the very best solution right that is available from like third parties. The other option, obviously, like you said, is to build it right. So the, those are tough choices right. And usually what we have seen is like some of the top tier vendors like let's take Microsoft, Twilio, etc. When the first version of the solutions normally come out, they don't come out where as being HIPAA eligible, right? So now let's say there's something very cool that has come out. Normally, it is not HIPAA eligible until uh, you know until it reaches a certain level of maturity. And so it becomes a little hard for us to develop you know something cool, cutting edge, right? If it is not HIPAA eligible. Yeah, I guess, you know, somebody, I mean, I, I don't have a, a healthcare background, so some of this is interesting to me because I'm, I'm listening and, and healthcare industry is a, is a massive market. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ginormous. I, I don't know how, how big it is monetarily, but it is enormous. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, you're here building solutions that are integral, they're important. And then you're telling me sometimes you have to trade off because you know, you don't get to select from the best vendors or products aren't mature enough until they get to a certain point. It's interesting because I'm kind of dumbfounded because I'd imagine in this industry, in the healthcare industry, we would want to apply the best, the latest to make sure, you know, data, all this stuff is leveraged, but you're telling me it's the exact opposite. And again, I, I, I don't come from this industry, you do, so I'm kind of just dumbstruck. Yeah, it is surprising, right? So... It's, it's easy for you. You're, you're like, oh, yeah, that's just my normal, uh, that's my normal Monday uh, planning session for me. I'm like, geez, like, um, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. I, I guess like when you're, when you're from the outside, you know, coming in, like, you know, when somebody joins your team and, 
you know, they're used to going, Hey, I'm going to research, you know, I need to solve this problem. They, they're like, Oh, there's all these vendors. And then you say, Hey, time out. Yeah. Sunil's come around now with the bad news that you can't pick half of those vendors because they're not, you know, HIP eligible. How do you ramp somebody up to start kind of adjusting to that? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So, yeah, usually uh, what one of the key things that we do while recruiting is try to see if that uh, person has a healthcare background, right? So, so that way, you know, they they come come with this idea and they have this knowledge of you know what they can pick versus what they cannot. But otherwise, it becomes a challenge, right? And then you know, there's usually training that we provide, right? Once somebody's on uh, somebody's onboarded, and uh, you know kind of help them think through the first couple of, uh, you know, selections and uh, designs, right? So, and then once that is done, they kind of understand the complexities and uh, and what to look for, right, in a vendor. And then then it becomes easier. So, yeah, initial, initial ramp-up is a little hard, uh, but then once you spend, like, let's say, six months to a year, right, learning how this thing works and operates, and then you become a pro. You become a pro. I like that. I like that. You, you've been doing this a while, so for you, I, I, it's, it's secondhand. And I guess when you're kind of looking at, you know, your team and delivery and, and knowing that you have to deal with some of these, you, you know, issues, like you're not as you know free to, to make decisions and, and move at a certain pace. When you guys are looking at potential solutions and you're, and you're starting to do the initial you know, planning for those type of, new concepts or ideas do you leave extra time to make sure that you're accounting for potential running into dead ends or not finding the right solution i mean i know at this point you've you've been doing this long enough that you probably can anticipate but generally speaking um you know you mentioned the production issue side you leave 20 percent capacity but when you guys are trying to solve you know something that you haven't come across how, how does that impact yeah so Usually we plan ahead, right? I think uh, any of these solutions are um, well designed, right? And uh, documented even before we enter the execution phase. So the chances of us running into a dead end, I'm mean, not, not saying that that doesn't happen, but the chances of us running into dead ends during, uh, during the execution of the sprint is, uh, it, it is pretty rare. So I think, uh, a key thing to do to avoid running into dead ends is to plan ahead, right? And design, design very well. Design, make sure your architecture and design is, you know, running at least a sprint ahead. Maybe better if it runs two sprints ahead, but at least a sprint ahead. Make sure everybody's on board with the design, understands, you know, what we are building, right? Understands the edges of the requirements, right? So that that would, you know, that is how we make sure that, you know, we don't run into dead ends during sprint execution. That makes sense. I mean, it seems like uh, it seems like once you're once you're within the space and, and and you understand some of the ramifications, it's yeah, it's it's all had. It's pretty much the same as any other uh, team you're running. So I guess I know you've been doing this for a while. Obviously, oncology is a subset of healthcare, uh, even more niche. Uh, transitioning into the industry, you know, if if you're from the outside looking in. Um, is there anything you could do to, to get yourself prepared? Is there, or is it pretty much, you know, on the job training? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure like, I wish I knew the answer, right. When I first joined healthcare, because I didn't know I was like, for the first six months, I was kind of lost. I didn't know like, you know, what folks were talking about. They were talking about QI, UM and like all of these abbreviations. Right? So it was kind of hard, you know, to ramp up. But, but I think what uh, I could have done better was probably 
read up a little bit right on what what was the business right what is the business model uh, that the company is operating in when they talk about treatment right what does that mean right maybe just google it out right understand what how a cancer treatment is normally performed right what does what is chemotherapy what is radiation like right? understand like what are the supportive care drugs right and then understand uh, what is prior authorization right what are the stuff that we need to do uh, to be compliant to run the you know prior authorization business in a compliant manner right so look at all of those things i think those are certain things which are easily available or which are which are a google search away basically right so in the think, uh, search uh, search on google right and uh, understand uh, the domain that you want to work in right i think that's true not just for healthcare probably for any domain right so just to gain some knowledge and i think that that will help you uh, as you get into you know newer industries absolutely absolutely I guess yeah. No, I, I I mean, it seems like a super. I mean, you guys are obviously you know doing a subset of 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 the you know healthcare industry. Oncology is even you know, more specific, even more uh, details. Obviously, uh, getting some exposure is interesting. Uh, some of the complexities you mentioned definitely could imagine it'd be a challenge <laughs> uh, ramping up. But it you know also it's one of those where you know you're helping you know towards a towards a bigger cause, bringing solutions. So I think it's. So it's, it's it's amazing, and I appreciate you spending some time, uh, kind of going through some of those um, you know, challenges and and managing teams and delivery within the healthcare space, or specifically oncology. So I guess you know before I let you go, two questions. Uh, one is if you had a uh, question or topic you'd like a future you know technology leader to to answer, is there something specific you you'd like to hear about? Yeah, so it would be really, really interesting to see how you know folks do CI/CD in their organization, right? And uh, what does that entail, right? That that would be really interesting to know. Absolutely, yeah. That's I think uh, I I need to actually do one covering CICD a little bit more. So I think that's a, that's a good topic. Um, and secondly, if somebody wants to touch base with you, um, what's a good way of getting hold of you? Is LinkedIn, email? What's your preferred way? LinkedIn should be good. LinkedIn? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll make sure we include it in the show notes so that somebody can get in touch with you. But Sunil, thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much, Amit. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's it for this episode. Uh, we'll be back again to forget a different topic. Until then, uh, two things. One, you know, I, I actually need to do more episodes around CICD um, and how different approaches are uh, handled in, in different companies and kind of different maturity stages. So love to have people on that um, would like to share. I think that'd be great. And then also, if you found the podcast useful, if you've been listening, share with somebody else. Um, review on the uh, podcast app of your choice would be fantastic. The podcast has been growing through that means, and I appreciate everyone who does that. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.